Israel's history is at a pivot point as the era of the judges ends and the day of the kings begins. The prophet Samuel anoints Saul as king on The Bible Brief. The Bible Brief is a listener-supported show. Consider becoming a monthly supporter at our link in the show notes. The people of Israel wanted a king like the other nations. They looked around them and saw the peoples around Israel, and they envied them. They saw those foreign kings leading their conscripted armies into battle, and they wished for a leader like that. The problem was, the nation wasn't like those other nations. Israel was special. Israel was a nation not born out of warfare, but out of promises to an old man centuries before. It was a nation first seen in the mind of God and manifested as God brought them out of Egyptian slavery to the promised land of Canaan. The people of Israel were God's own possession, with God's law and God's presence. Yet they were not content with Yahweh their king, the one who fought their battles and won them. They wanted to be like the other nations. So God grants their request, a request with ramifications that will echo for the remainder of the Bible. We read this in 1 Samuel chapter 9. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, son of Zeror, son of Becherath, son of Ephiah, a Benjaminite, a man of wealth. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. In this short account, we're introduced to the next big person in the Bible, Saul, son of a wealthy man from the tribe of Benjamin, handsome and taller than anyone else in Israel, an ideal figure for leadership by human appearances. However, despite these appearances, our ears should begin to perk up when we hear where Saul is from. First, he's from the tribe of Benjamin, a tribe with an awful reputation stemming from the period of the judges. Remember, Benjamin was the tribe that protected that awful city of Gibeah who had abused a woman and left her for dead. Saul is from that tribe. But even more, Saul is from that city. We find out later that Saul himself is from the city of Gibeah, apparently rebuilt on the foundations of what had been burned to a crisp as the eleven tribes had warred against the city and against Benjamin. Saul may look like a leader, But given his background, some questions should linger in our minds. Now that we know Saul a bit, we then get to hear the beginning of Saul's story. We read, Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. So Kish said to Saul his son, Take one of the young men with you and arise and go look for the donkeys. And he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and passed through the land of Shalisha. But they did not find them. And they passed through the land of Shalem, but they were not there. Then they passed through the land of Benjamin, but did not find them. This repeated emphasis that Saul couldn't find the donkeys that had wandered off should help us perhaps understand the man a bit better. Saul seems about as lost as the donkeys are. He exhaustively searches, but can't find them anywhere. So unsuccessful was the search that he even suggests to his servant that they give up and go back to Gibeah so that his father won't worry about them. However, his servant suggests instead that they head into a city where he heard there was a prophet, 
that Prophet might be able to tell them where to go in search of the lost donkeys. Saul likes this idea and agrees. Little does Saul know that his life is about to change forever. We read this in verse 15. Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed to Samuel, Tomorrow about this time I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. He shall save my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have seen my people because their cry has come to me. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord told him, Here is the man of whom I spoke to you. He it is who shall restrain my people. Samuel soon invites Saul to eat with him, and Saul humbly agrees. They enjoy an evening of conversation, and Samuel hosts Saul for the night. It's early the next morning that the most consequential event occurs. Samuel goes with Saul to the outskirts of the city to send him off, and proceeds to tell him of God's choice of a king. We read this in verse 27. As they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to pass on before us, and when he has passed on, stop here yourself for a while, that I may make known to you the word of God. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. This formal ritual is something we haven't seen much in the Bible so far. Samuel pulls out a flask of oil, probably olive oil, and pours it on Saul's head, in a process called anointing. Anointing was done when someone was being set apart for a particular purpose by God. And here, even though Samuel is the one physically doing the anointing, he says that Yahweh himself has anointed Saul to reign over the people. After this anointing that must have caught Saul by surprise, Samuel sends Saul on his way, telling him of the many signs that he will see to confirm his calling by God to be king over Israel. The final sign would be the presence of the Spirit of God rushing upon Saul, causing him to prophesy. Samuel finishes his conversation with Saul, saying this, Now when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Then go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I am coming down to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait, until I come to you and show you what you shall do. When Saul turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all these signs came to pass that day. When they came to Geba, behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God rushed upon him, and he prophesied among them. By the end of the day, God had demonstrated his choice of Saul through many signs, but especially through this final one, the presence of God's Spirit causing Saul to prophesy. Apparently, this prophesying was ecstatic speech motivated by the Spirit of God. And yet, after all these amazing confirmatory signs, Saul just goes back to his hometown at Gibeah, holding his new role close to the chest. We read this in verse 14. Saul's uncle said to him and to his servant, Where did you go? And he said, To seek the donkeys. And when we saw that they were not to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, Please tell me what Samuel has told you. And Saul said to his uncle, He told us plainly that the donkeys had been found. But about the manner of the kingdom of which Samuel had spoken, he did not tell him anything. Despite these several signs confirming the commissioning of Saul to the office of king over Israel, 
He hides this fact from his uncle. Maybe it's from humility. Maybe from fear. Perhaps it's even from doubt. In any case, the story shifts back to Samuel again at Mizpah within a day or two. All Israel is gathered before Samuel, and he says this, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians, and from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God, who saves you from all your calamities and your distresses. And you have said to him, Set a king over us. Now therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. Samuel reminds the people yet again that they have rejected God and their request for a king to be like the other nations. And then he begins a process to demonstrate publicly whom God has chosen to be king over them. He brings all the tribes near and begins casting lots. What appears to be a random selection will reveal God's choice of a king. After a few rounds, the lot casting narrows down to Saul's clan, and then down to Saul himself. But there's one problem. No one can find Saul. Lost to the people like those donkeys had been lost to him earlier in the week. Saul's nowhere to be found. He's so hidden that God himself has to tell them that Saul has hidden among the baggage. Finally, though, he's pulled from his hiding place, and as he towers above the other Israelites in his height, Samuel says, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, Long live the king! And Samuel told the people the rights and the duties of the kingship, and he wrote them in a book and laid it up before the Lord. To be a king before God was no small thing, and this eventuality of the kingship was anticipated way back when God was giving the law to Moses. God had given instructions to the eventual king that would come from Israel. And here at Mizpah, Samuel shared those instructions, among perhaps some other rules for the kingship. The people had demanded a king, but God was the one who set the standards for the king. These were made known to all the people so that they would see and know what this shift of leadership meant for their leader as well. Then the gathering of the tribes departed. We read, Then Samuel sent all the people away, each one to his home. Saul also went to his home at Gibeah, and with him went men of valor whose hearts God had touched. The anointing that had been done privately was now made public, and the shift from the final judge of Israel to Israel's first king was complete. Gone were the days when God would raise up a judge in Israel. A new day had dawned. The formerly destroyed Gibeah would be the nation's first capital where the king lived with his valiant men, ready for battle. And soon, battle would come, when Saul would get his first test of leadership. The question is, could the new king lead his army to victory? Join us next time as the Ammonites attack before Saul calls his troops to fight their first battle under the monarchy. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023